It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the midweek edition prior to the Dragons game in the sports ground. I'm in a wet sports ground already. I think it's going to be wet and windy at the, at the weekend. My name's Alan Deegan and I've got William Davis here with me. Hello, Alan. We're at the press conference today where Andy Friend and Tom McCartney were talking about the weekend and they had a few interesting things to say. Yeah, they were both um, fairly honest, I think, about the disappointments of a Friday night. Uh, so let's have a listen to what they had to say. Did Connacht simply underestimate the task ahead of them on, on Friday night, considering the fact that they, they were down on players? I think we could be guilty of, of having done that. Um, we certainly didn't talk that way. Uh, listen, we've had a real good chat after it, and um, the boys were really disappointed with uh, with the performance and really disappointed with... Uh, how we got ourselves into a position that um, allowed us to perform like that. It's the first time I've seen it this year. Uh, so, yeah, and we've, we've looked at... It's all, it's all about moments and choices. We uh, Some of the choices we made leading into the game individually, some of the choices we made during the game individually um, put us in that position. So uh, was it complacency? Possibly. Was it um, just lack of focus? Yep, definitely. Uh, was it a learn for us? 100%. We're going to make sure we never that ever happens again. Because it's a really serious situation. I mean, they, they get an extra. It's four points because they're an interconference team. Um, did they do anything that surprised you, the Ospreys? Not really. No, I thought. Listen, we knew they were going to kick a lot. Seventy-four kicks in the game, so it was an odd game of football. Um, we knew they were going to flood the tackle. Uh, I was disappointed that we couldn't get the quick ball. Uh, that seems to be a, a trend, though. That the moment I'm, I'm not convinced that uh, breakdowns are being refereed the, the way they should be it, to me the focus needs to be and by law the tackler must release the opposition or the tackle player that's not happening at the minute so but we got to deal with that we know it, has, you know it hasn't happened for the last four games so we got to we got to make sure that uh, we keep banging that drum because it's it is law but we've also got to be smarter in, in where we're playing and what we're doing but yeah they were clever and I thought um you know what, they, they, I tell you, they, they won the 50-50s, uh, which tells you straight away that they had a better attitude than we did. And talking about the attitude, the, it was a very slow start. You were, you were sort of 10 points down. It could have been 14 if the conversions had gone over. It was really only then that, and it was a very slow climb back into the game. Was, it, was there a major frustration about the, the pace of the start? Yeah, we really, you know, we talked about that briefly at halftime. It uh, our theme for the week was next job, so we weren't going to harp on that, but it was like we've got to get on to the next job. Our messaging the whole way through it was we're actually okay. Stick to the system, trust the system, play field position because that's what they're doing. Don't get carried away and we'll claw our way back in. And at 17 all, we had clawed our way back in. Uh, I probably, you know, I, I, th- I think the decision near the tail end there to, to go for a drop goal, that is one of our options. Um, it, if it had come off, we might not be talking about it. It didn't come off. Um, was there a smarter option potentially? Uh, uh, yeah, and then how the last three minutes unfolded was just really frustrating. When you're talking about the options, Andy, is there a concern that when we when Connacht have possession, that they're not asking enough questions of defences? The defences are just having to go from tackle to tackle, stop the ball carrier, and you stop the move. 
stop the ball carrier and slow down the, the presentation of the ball and it makes it very difficult. Uh, and that's where then our, our kicking game and our kick chase has got to come and do it. And when we when we started to employ that, you know, after that first 15, 20-minute period and, uh, you know, and turn them and put them under pressure, we started to get some reward from that. And, you know, we've got to be a team that can adapt to that. If, if we're allowed to get the quick ball that we want and play on the front foot, um, we will damage teams. If we can't, whether that's our ball carry not being strong enough or not being dominant enough or defence actually doing a good job or ball just not coming out because tackles aren't being removed, well, we've got to, we've got to respect that too and then turn them and, and, and trust our defensive system. So I think our attack is potent enough um, if we get the ball we want. If it's not, we've got to find another way. Defence was, was strong again once you clawed your way back into the game, but then right at the end, the concentration on what seemed to be a set move went and the night just disappeared once once that try went in. Yeah, I mean, that was you know, that was really frustrating. That one was a... I think it was a player trying to do a bit too hard. He went, you know, he's assuming something was going to happen, break the system, jumps out the back, player comes through and, and that's the end of it, so... You know, the, the night was littered sadly with with those moments where we just we made poor choices and poor decisions and uh, really frustrating one to be a part of. Looking ahead now to a, a, a game against the Dragons, Connacht would be favourites to win as the home team, but it's a lot of pressure on this. This is to get you back to a fifty fifty season, and I suppose they can come here and have a real cut. Yeah, they can, and you know they'll they'll target this game for sure. They'll be looking at that last performance and saying, well. If an undermanned Ospreys team can beat them, a fully loaded Connacht team, well, we're a fair chance too. So, um, yep, we, we know uh, that we're going to have to turn up and we're going to have to make sure um, in front of our home fans here that, that we put on a, a much, much, much better performance. Is there anything in particular you want to see almost from the get-go, from the first play, the first seconds of the game? What do you want to see? I want to see that energy that we've had Honestly, my belief in the previous previous seven matches, or the previous eight matches, that was that was game nine for us. The first time I'd seen it, the first time I'd seen a real lull in that, uh, and it it, yeah, it wasn't pretty. Didn't like it at all, and that's not what Connaught's about. You know, we we talk about our energy, we talk about our bounce, we talk about the fact that we want to be a team that's full of energy, and we didn't didn't have that. So, I said we've dealt with that over the last few days, and boy, the players have been really receptive and really honest with the whole thing too um, no one's shying away from that uh, it's just how we how we make sure that doesn't happen in the future it's a, I suppose the players have a chance to go out and prove themselves on Saturday is there a danger that you can overplay in that circumstance you can actually try too hard that you that just the determination can run away with you yeah that is and as I know you know these guys are very honest they're honest men um, so they know they're hurting from that too, and they know that they want to improve that, and they know that uh, you know they want to give 100% here. But it's it's 100% with control. We just had a, a session out there, and it was good. But the one message there was, you know, you know set of leaders, what would you give that out of five in terms of energy? Four out of five. How would it become a five out of five? We need we need to have composure within that energy. Good answer, and that's what we're going to have to produce here on Saturday: composure within our energy. energy. And have anybody coming back, the likes of maybe Owen McEwen, Owen Masterson, are we likely to see anybody? No, so sadly Owen, uh, he had an operation on that shoulder on Friday, so he'll be at least three months on that. Um, Owen, um, that's Owen McEwen, Owen Masterson's still another couple of weeks away. And what about Paul Boyle? No, he's, he'll definitely be out of selection um, contention this week. 
we hope he's going to be right for South Africa. And how important will will South Africa be? That, I mean, you've got a break now. Do, do you do you prepare in a particular way for a final game in a session like this? Oh, no, not really. I think um, uh, I think it's an important uh, break for us to have. Uh, we, you know, we've we've played we've had thirteen weeks straight there with our preseason. Um, been a lot of good stuff in that. Uh, we got, a, but we've had to pick ourselves up after this weekend. So I know mentally and physically, um, the players will probably be looking forward to that break, but. Uh, we won't stop until Tuesday next week until we, we've reviewed this game. We need to review our cultural piece that we've been working on and then we'll, uh, we'll have a, a little break and give them some downtime and get ready for South Africa. Tom, you're just straight off the, the training ground there. Is, uh, is there a real work through on uh, Friday night's performance? Uh, yeah, we, we got the review uh, all done yesterday and um, yeah, it's fair to say it was, it was at times pretty tough watching and um, yeah, a few good questions raised by the coaches and and by the players as well on on the performance. So um, yeah, I mean, really disappointed guys yesterday, and um, you know it's it, it's good to get at, get back out on the on the pitch and and try and get that energy back up and uh, and look forward to the next game because yeah, we can't worry about it now, but we just got to make sure that we're really bouncing around and and ready to ready to go on Saturday. Was the case Friday maybe a little bit of complacency? You looked at the looked at the the team missing a lot of players playing away from their normal base. Did that maybe get inside everybody's head a little? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I know that, I know that we uh, when we look back on the game, we were dis- disappointed with our performance and and the energy that we we showed. Um, you know, the whole season, that's one thing that we've really prided ourselves on is, is just having that energy and uh, really winning those 50-50 battles for the ball. And um, I think it's the first time that we've uh, we've been beaten on that sort of off-the-ball work when there's loose balls on the ground jumping on and, and uh, something we've really prided ourselves on. So, um, yeah, we, we, we came second in that area. And, um, you know, I suppose that, that goes down to uh, the Ospreys' attitude and, and then us having a real good look at ourselves because uh, that's something only the individual players can bring. You clawed your way back in. Uh, you were 10-0 down very quickly, 17-3 down. To get it back to a draw scenario and to have it snatched away at the end, is that, is that, that must be very frustrating. Yeah, at the, at the time it was, um, it was heartbreaking, really, um, watching them run away for that last try and then, it, then almost the suspense of um, it going upstairs and uh, there was just a horrible feeling in, in, in your gut that you sort of knew he was going to award it as well. So... Um, yeah, it was it was one of those sort of sick feelings on on a rugby on a rugby pitch. I was on the sideline at that stage, but um, yeah, I mean uh, it's it's great when those things go your way, and when they don't, then it's um, it's it's horrible. And is it tough that if Jack Carty got the drop goal over, we could be sitting here talking about something completely different? But I suppose that's sport, really. Yeah, it is, and uh, you know we um, we've we've gone over and sort of analyse whether that was the right play to do at the time and um, you know one thing that we sort of say is uh, is whenever one of the shot callers makes a call then then we all just back it and, and buy in and, and that's exactly what we did um, we, we played the, the play ex- exactly how we wanted to it's sort of a, a, t- a two phase play and um, and then the drop goal and um, yeah as you say it, um, it either goes over or it doesn't and uh, unluckily for Unluckily for us, it, it just went a bit wide. So, um, yeah, as you say, it could be um, a completely different story and we could be sitting here with, with a win and um, talking about the, the character that we showed to get back in the game. And, um, look, there's, there's still a lot of really good stuff from the game, but um, there's also a lot of stuff that, that we just need to um, 
I think it's mostly individuals having a good look at themselves and making sure we really bring that attitude every game. You need to get your attitude right for Saturday. I mean, it's, it's a very important game now. You want to get back to a 50, 50% season before you go into the mini break and then go to South Africa. What's the key to getting ready for Saturday? Um, I think, yeah, we just need to make sure we've got that energy, make sure we've got that bounce. And um, look, we know it's a, a massive game for us. Uh, Dragons, Dragons beat us over there last year and it was, um, it was a performance we sort of came home and we were really disappointed with. So, um, and they've added a, added a few uh, you know, really experienced guys this year as well. So um, we know that they're, they're a really strong team and, and on their day they can beat anyone in the comp. So um, we're not under any illusions. We're thinking it's, um, it's going to be a walkover by, by no means. So um, look, we've just got to control what we can control and, and make sure we go out Everyone, uh, everyone trying to play the best that they can play. We would like to thank the official Connacht Rugby Supporters Club for supporting the podcast. For the most detailed and informative travel news for away matches, check out the Supporters Club website at connachtlan.com. Membership is only €10 euro and includes a member's gift, exclusive merchandise and much more. Go to connachtclan.com for all your supporting needs. So lots to talk about energy and bounce, um, which I thought was was fascinating. Both came, came came from both Tom and Andy, and they hadn't heard each other because they were kept separate. So it's interesting that the the message obviously is that they want to keep the energy levels up. Yeah, I think the the problem uh, look the, the problem with Friday night is there was three narratives available in that game. Uh, narrative one: Jack Carty kicks the drop goal. Connacht win 2017 and we're all discussing this great comeback from 17-3 down. It finishes 17 each, which was probably the most likely result when the drop kick was missed. And then there's the worst narrative, which is the one we have to talk about, is the fact that at the end they blew it. Um, The Ospreys had a set move and it worked and they scored a try. And they scored their fourth try of the evening, so they got a bonus point. They won the game, They, they came away with five points. So I think you have to bear all that in mind that it's it's the it's the beauty and joy of sport that you can go from one story to the final story in the space of 90 seconds which is is what happened to them. Um they didn't start the game well and they didn't finish it well. There was bits in the middle were a bit better. They clawed their way back in. But you have to be able to see it out and I think there was a frustration um I think um there must have been, and there must have been a real sense of disappointment. They went with a loaded side, and I thought, I mean, that's why I asked the, the question: Were they complacent? Yeah, yeah, good answer he gave to that. Like, because one of the things I was amazed by at the weekend, Jack Carty scored his first ever drop goal for Connacht in the first half, and then attempts one again in the second half. I go that, like, you know, I, as you said, it was a bit of a breeze blowing, so that's why he didn't attempt the penalty kick. Um, so the kick went down the line, but we only went through two phases, and it was well outside the twenty-two for a guy who hadn't ever kicked a drop goal to be attempting one that difficult, that far out. Seemed a strange decision. It did, but they Tom McCartney said it was a two-phase call, so they, that was what they were planning. The real problem was the pass. He didn't get. If you're going to get a drop goal, the pass has to come straight into your breadbasket. He had to go looking for the ball. Um, it's just one of those things. It was a very frustrating night. And I think, speaking to the Welsh media beforehand, they expected Connacht to win. 
Um, Nick from the BBC who was commentating, Ian Goff, who was summarising for them, they thought Connacht would win. They said that, you know, the Ospreys are under underpowered. Yeah, but even the bookies, the bookies went from originally plus 11 for Connacht down to minus one. Like, that's a huge change once the teams were announced. They had still had some decent rugby players out there and they were a bit cuter and they were a bit... They were a bit more direct, I thought, at times. They, I mean, they kicked the ball a lot. I think they just, they had a plan. It was a very simple plan, and they stuck to it. And Connacht came a bit unstuck. Didn't react quick enough in the first half. As I say, you know, got a, Osprey's guy yellow carded, and then give up seven points during that. I mean, that, that's the sort of stuff you just cannot do. That's, that's a red-letter warning. That's, you always look to score points when the opposition are down, but somehow or other... The Ospreys managed to get seven. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like they kicked the ball forty-three times, which is almost unheard of in this day and age to see a, a game. I think you described it as an old-style game during the commentary, and it, it certainly was. Looking at it, and and Connacht lost the kicking duel. Yeah, it was like going back to about two thousand and two. Just kick for position, keep kicking. Not even particularly subtle kicks. Just get the ball away from your defensive third of the field or you get it down into the Connacht 22 you don't really care you're just looking to shift the ball it really was old style yeah you also had a situation where where the Ospreys had a 90% success tackle rate against Connacht and they are the best defenders in the league statistically they are the best defenders in the league Connacht have one of the most blunt attacks in the league so when you're two minutes away from drawing a match and you have the ball, and you've gone across the field two or three times, why aren't you just putting it down the middle of the field and giving it to them and saying, OK, you run the length of the field? Um, because as soon as as soon as the ball went straight into touch, I turned around to my son and said, I think they're going to score a try. He said, not a chance. I said, I'm telling you, there's something telling me these guys have what I what I like to see, first phase, a first phase move. There isn't enough first phase rugby. Maybe maybe that's why Connacht's attack is so blunt these days. We seem to be looking to develop phases before we, we try and make any moves and at that stage the, the field is flooded with players. So it's it's um it's something Connacht need to work on and they need to work on before the weekend. Yeah, the work uh, the work ons for the weekend, I mean look they need they need five points here on Saturday. I mean I know you start with four but and it might be the wrong sort of day to score four tries, but they really have to start accumulating some points. They need to get back to four and four. Uh, I would have taken that at the start of the season. That would have been kind of the figure I had in my head. And the job, the job on Saturday is to just sort out the sort out the start, start quickly, keep your accuracy, and they they will they will win. I think the the Dragons have six players in the Welsh squad to play in the match against Scotland. They've got some injured players again. They, they'll come here and Connacht need to be fired up. <laughs> I don't think there's any room for any complacency after last Friday night. No, there isn't. But before we could talk about the Dragons, let's let's look at the results, the rest of the results from, from last weekend and how it affects Connacht. Yeah, on Friday night, uh, Southern Kings 34, Scarlets 41. Another one of these bizarre uh, U-score uh, we score, you score type games you get in South Africa. The Kings had this game won, fell away at the end. Zebra 34, Edinburgh 16. Great win for Zebra at home, result they badly needed. Ulster 36 and uh, the aforementioned Dragons 18. And Ospreys 22, Connacht 17. On Saturday, as expected, Benetton 3, Leinster 31. 
Munster 25, Glasgow 24. Last kick of the match win for Munster. Cheetahs 21, Cardiff Blues 10. Cheetahs season at last starting to maybe move in the right direction. Looking at the conferences, Glasgow top hours, five wins, two defeats on 27 points. The Ospreys 5-2 and two with 23. Munster 4-3, and three, 19. Cardiff 3 wins, 4 losses, 17. Connacht 3 wins, 4 losses, 16. And Zebra 3 wins, 4 losses, 15. The Cheetahs holding up the bottom with uh, 1 win, 1 draw, 5 losses and 9 points. Conference B, Leinster with 29 points, 6 wins, 1 defeat are on top. They're 5 points clear of the Scarlets who are 5-2. and two. Ulster are 4 one and two for 21 points. They have a, one of the draws in there. Edinburgh, three wins, four losses, 16. Benetton, a similar record, similar points. Dragons, who we play on Saturday, two wins, five losses on nine points. And the Kings, with one win and six losses, but they've managed to pick up some bonus points along the way for nine points. Yeah, so it does, you know, the, the idea of wins and losses are really important, but bonus points are proving to be vital because if you look at the fact that Connacht, uh, Cardiff and Zebra have won three, lost four, but Cardiff lead the way because they've got an extra try bonus and the reason Zebra aren't uh, aren't further up is because they have three try bonuses but no losing bonuses. Yep, you've got to try to play to the end of the game. I suppose the one thing for Connacht is they did come away with something on Friday night. I mean, if that had turned into an eight-point defeat, it would have absolutely... Um, been a, it, it was pretty much still, a, in my view, a bit of a disastrous because it was a poor performance. The the fact that the Ospreys managed to get uh, five points out of that game that's a big help for them. So why, on on Saturday you didn't you didn't come home after the game on Friday night because on Saturday you you headed off to watch um, a Welsh Premiership game. Yeah, I went to another old Welsh ground. Been in the brewery field on uh, Friday night was uh, very interesting. We got a we got a great welcome. Uh, it's an old style ground, uh, no doubt about that. But I went to one of the oldest grounds in in world rugby on um, Saturday. I went to the Knoll in Neath. Uh, Neath have been playing on that ground since 1871, which is some record. Um, I suppose I know a lot about Neath. It's where my uh, father was born. Well, he was born in Britain Ferry, which is part of Neath. I won't bore you with the, the differences, but there is a difference and they have their own team that plays in yet another one of the Welsh leagues, but um, Neath, uh, the Knoll was somewhere he played quite a lot of rugby in the 1930s. He played quite high-level schools rugby and that's where they played. Uh, I'd been there many times as a child in the summer, but of course at that stage it was uh, off-season. So this was actually my first game at the Knoll Neath is quite famous in Welsh rugby. It's where the Welsh Rugby Union was formed in the Angel Hotel in 1881, which is still there, uh, which is also where my parents had their wedding reception. <laughs> so, but I, think, I, don't, I, don't think those, I don't think those two things are connected. Uh, Neath on Saturday, what can you say? They'd played nine, lost nine. They've now played ten and lost ten. There's about five, maybe 600 people there. I was at a bit of corporate hospitality beforehand, a nice lunch. But it did have a feel that this is a level of rugby in Wales that is struggling a bit. But the game, I think, is changing. And afterwards, in the rather nice corporate area, I had a chat with my second cousin, Richard Howells, who's played a little bit of rugby for Neath under-20s many years ago, has coached at all levels, 
uh, and also has coached uh, significantly at the younger age group in women's rugby. But he's still involved in the coaching side of it. And I just wanted to get a feel of how the Ospreys, Stroke Neath, Swansea, how the Premiership and the Pro 14 teams link up. Richard, tell me about the halcyon days here when when this place was absolutely packed. Well, if, if you want to talk about the days when the Knoll was uh, more or less a sellout, you have to go back to the, to the times before the Ospreys uh, was created, when um, we had our international stars, the likes of uh, James Hook and Shane Williams, and uh, the atmosphere in the Knoll then, would I would say could only be compared to a capacity crowd in, in the Millennium Stadium because we've got the mountain on the side, the other opposite side of the main stand which used to echo all the sound back. Um, it was an incredible feeling. I mean, I, I got to go back to when I was in my late teens, early 20s to the times of when the Knoll used to be a sellout every single home game. And then when the Ospreys were created, it did split opinion in Neath. Uh, I'm assuming it was the same for Swansea at the time because Neath and Swansea were they, they were the two teams that developed the Ospreys. So yeah, it, it has divided um, divided the fans. But I mean, you know, was there any need for them to move? You know, they, they could have split split the games between Neath and Swansea, which in the beginning that that's what was sort of agreed and promised, and it, it, it never happened. So I think that really got a lot of the Neath fans backs up. Um, I can't speak for Swansea, but I'm assuming it was the same feeling for them as well. They took the development rugby away from from the feeder clubs. That's all gone. The Ospreys have taken it. they got one development now for um, Neath, Swansea, Aberavon, Bridgend. It's gone from individual development, which is bringing on 30, 40 players per club, to just the Ospreys' development which there's a lot of boys there with massive potential are really missing out. And I think that is showing now on the likes of Neath, Swansea, Bridgen, Aberavon, who are sort of floating around in the bottom half of the table. Um, the Ospreys are doing quite well, but at the expense of the feeder clubs who you know supply the players to the Ospreys. Is anybody taking this in hand at national level or even sort of regional level is, is this understood or has the gap between amateur rugby and the professional team become too wide oh the, the, the gap is huge the gap is huge um committee members from all the all, all the, the so-called uh, feeder clubs go to the wiu and the WIU think that they'll just say, "All right, we'll have a look at funding." And it's not the funding; it's the promoting of the game down a grassroots level, um, releasing uh, clubs like the Ospreys, Cardiff, the Netley, releasing the players, releasing the names. Then, basically, back to the feeder clubs um, to get that support, get the people there watching rugby. Which grandparents? It's, it's basically it's. I would say being at the Knoll today, you can see that the majority of crowd are over fifty. There was very few junior kid, junior age watching it. Um, very few youth players watching it. Nobody, you know, coming through who are going to be the next sort of 
life members, you know, the, the, the community of the local teams is, is, is just, just dying. And when you take it up to the national level, take it up to the WIU, and you try and explain the problems that we're having, they think that they try and sort some funding out, we'll cure it. It, it won't, it just won't. It, it, it is, it, it, grassroots is really, really struggling, and I think it, it's being hidden, it's not being publicised enough. The region's doing okay, and WR think, you know, the region's doing okay, the national team's doing okay, that's all that matters. Future of rugby is really going to struggle if we don't sort it out from a grassroots level. Richard, it's good to talk to you. It's, uh, it's an interesting story. It's probably something that Ireland has to be very aware of, particularly in, in terms of the numbers of people playing rugby. And it's, uh, it's a little bit of a shock to me because I suppose I was brought up on the Welsh team of the 70s and what my father would tell me, and, and particularly in, in how important the rugby club was. The equivalent in Ireland is the GAA clubs, the hurling and the football in the communities. It's, it's, it's very, very similar, but it does seem to be under a little bit of pressure here and uh, work needs to be done to hold on to it. So from Premiership Welsh Premiership Rugby to, to international rugby, bit of a jump. We've got Ireland playing against Italy outside the window this weekend, as Wales and Scotland are. Seems a bit strange. To me, just too much international rugby, but that's for another day's chat because that's where most of the money comes from. I'm aware of that. Um, but it looks like Connacht might have three players um, playing, if not one on the bench, because three players have travelled with the 26-man squad to Chicago. Yeah, allegedly Ireland IRFU will pick up a million euros for this game, um, which I'm sure they'll be able to use. It is an outside-the-window game uh, being played at Soldier Field. Of course, the famous win against New Zealand there. It's on at 8pm on Saturday, um, so it ties in nicely with the Connacht match, which should be over uh, at that stage. Great to see Quinroo, Finley Beal and Bundiaki on the plane. Kieran Marmion staying behind in Dublin, which suggests to me that he's probably going to start the following week against Argentina. And, of course, everybody's trying to put their hand up. They all want to play against New Zealand. I mean, that's that's the game. There's three games on Saturday. Wales and Scotland play a quarter to three. And England and South Africa play at three o'clock. This weekend, we've got the Dragons coming. We'll talk about the fixtures and then we'll talk about the Dragons. So what else is on before we have a, a chat about the challenge of the Dragons? Uh, it's a usual seven game weekend but it's it's certainly split out a little bit on Friday night Edinburgh play the Scarlets at uh, 1935 the Ospreys play Glasgow at 1935 on Saturday Benetton play Ulster at uh, three o'clock Connacht play the Dragons at quarter past five and then on Sunday Southern Kings play Leinster that's a 1245 kickoff Cardiff Blues play Zebra with a quarter to three kickoff and the Cheetahs play Munster with a quarter to three kickoff so the Dragons this is a team that Connacht struggle with. They've lost the last two away games to them. They have won the... Actually, the only time the Dragons have won the sports game was in 2004 when they had the likes of Bobby Skinstad and Percy Montgomery and Michael Owen playing for them, like full internationals from, from quality teams. That's the only time they've, they've managed to win here. Having said that, the last four games, they've got a losing bonus point in each one of them. And, la- and the last time they played here in... 2017, it felt like a loss because Connacht went 14 up after 10 minutes and then lost the rest of the game 9-0. Um, it was a win, it just didn't feel like that. They'd take that on Saturday, but they need five points. Um, the result is 
the performance matters. The the but it's all about the result now. They've got to start. You you cannot you cannot go three and five. If you go three and five, you're starting to think. Well, now we've got to win eleven games out of thirteen, and that's a big ask for any side. Uh, on, on maybe the top sides, maybe a Glasgow, maybe a Leinster could do it, but I'm not sure that the playing resources are here for that. So they've got they've got to win this game on Saturday. Um, I think they will win it, but it, it you know it, it's a hard call. I think they'll have to shake off Friday night fairly quickly, and I think they're capable of doing that. You feel Bernard Jackman will have his side uh, fired up and ready to go. But you've got to be realistic. They've won two games and lost five. They're re- they're struggling pretty much again this year, even with the injection of the players. But they have got some players away on Welsh duty, so it could be a, it could be a tough, grinding old night here at the sports ground. The forecast is pretty grim. It's going to be mild enough, but it's going to be wet and windy. It certainly is. And the last time Connacht scored a bonus point win in the sports ground against the Dragons was in 2010. Sean Cronin scored for us that day. Ian Keatley was playing. That's how long ago it was. Like, it's a long, long time, so it's going to be a huge ask to get a bonus point win in that scenario. they just got to make sure they convert their chances. They need to forget about the bonus point until they've got the win. But it's points are now crucial. It's a point here and a point there that decides who finishes third and who finishes sixth. Mm-hmm. That's your problem. You've got to keep collecting points. You've got to win your home games. And a game like this, you've got to think to yourself, we need a, we need a, we need five here. Yeah, the problem is there's only been one try bonus for Connacht this season. It's just they are struggling to score tries. They have the third most blunt attack, if you want to put it that way, in the league. Um, only Dragons and Zebra have scored less tries than them. Well, keep giving it to the forwards and drive the hell out of it. That's what that's what I would be doing. I would be looking for drive, drive, drive tries all the time. I think they're quite good at that. I think it's their, uh, it's in in their heads. And I think I maybe would be thinking, I suppose I'm really old fashioned. I'd be thinking, well, we'll forget the 15 men. We'll play a bit of 10-man rugby here and we'll just grind these guys into the into the dirt. Yeah, and I need a, a scrum half to make sure he's directing them very well. And when you could see it when... when um Caelan Blade came on the field he gave them a little bit more direction and Kieran maybe and this is this is something like Bundy didn't have the greatest game Kieran didn't have the greatest game maybe their minds were somewhere else and that it might be all well and good having Ireland internationals but the week before an international is not the time to be playing them maybe and that, that certainly looked like it might have been the case on Saturday but this weekend against the Dragons it's going to be vital we're going to have by the sounds of it a very wet and windy sports ground um, the Dragons like to play throw the ball around so it's not going to suit them so I think you're right I think it's going to be a four powered game um, where they, they try and beat them up and it's going to suit the likes of James Cannon who um, loves this sort of stuff yeah and it takes a good leadership role from the forwards get your domination in early and uh, get your for- well get your win first and then see if you can top it up so the rugby coverage this weekend on Galway Bay FM is going to have a new commentator you yeah, I'm commentating with Joe Healy. Uh, Rob's got the weekend off, so I hope it is a slow-moving ten-man game. Because <laughs> that's uh, that's e- that's much easier than this ball going over and back and back and round. Yeah, yeah. I said, should you know, I, if 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 it is as wet and windy, the, the player and hopefully Connacht don't wear those jerseys where you can't see the numbers. Um, identification of players won't be quite as important because they'll be all piling in on top of one another. It's just a matter of telling us where the ball is. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, so we're on air at uh, 
about five past five on the stream. And we'll be on FM from 5.15, myself and Joe Healy, taking you through the game and hopefully uh, Connacht picking up a better performance and a win. Yes, indeed. We'll talk again on Saturday. Thanks, William. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Alan.